VA has sent out messages asking veterans who served after September 11th to tell their story. This is mine. When I was growing up in school, everyone used to say, you never forget where you were when JFK was shot. Unless, of course, you were too young. It happened before I was born. In which case, we couldn't really relate. But we always kind of suspected maybe one day something would happen where there'd be some event that would rally up a generation and we'd say, you never forget where you were when X, Y, and Z happened. I thought maybe at first it was when I came home from school one day in third grade and turned on the TV in the middle of the afternoon and found out Ronald Reagan had been shot. Or then I thought maybe it was after the first space shuttle blew up. Or maybe when the Soviet Union collapsed. But of course, when the moment finally came along, there was no doubt that this was going to be the moment that changed everything where the world seemed to be a different place from here on out, and in not a good way. Unbelievable uncertainty of what was happening and where things were going to end up. So here we are 20 years later, and at least in some respects, we get an idea of how things permanently have changed, and maybe even some sense of where they're continuing to go. I wasn't there. I wasn't in New York. I wasn't in Washington, D.C., and it wasn't in Pennsylvania. And there's no way I can touch this subject with doing it justice. And I don't pretend to. And it's difficult, maybe impossible, to touch on it without treading on some deep-seated feelings being offensive to somebody. But I love history. I love it enough that I got a college degree in it. And I think it's really important for as many people as possible to record their experiences so that our experiences and lessons won't be erased by time. Future generations will sift through the various pictures and videos and newspaper articles and social media posts and maybe even podcast recordings and attempt to understand what life was like at the turn of the millennium and understand how the world got to where it is. So I hope you'll forgive me for this podcast and understand that I'm making it with the best intentions in an effort to record my experience and observations of the worst day in modern American history. Like so many tragedies leading up to it, it seemed like the happiest of times. It was a weekend in early September up in Michigan as the weather starts to get nice and cool. I flew up there after having finished law school and studying for the, taking the bar exam. And I flew up there for my friend's wedding. And we had a college reunion. We were about five to seven years out of college, all of us, and having a nice reunion. And we were still young enough to be happy and hopeful for the future and still freshly enough out of college that we were keeping regular touch with each other. And we were having the time of our life. And then Monday, September 10th rolled around, and I got the notice that the Florida bar had graded my bar exam. If you've never taken the bar exam, I can assure you that everything you've ever heard about it is completely true. It's a complete nightmare. 
I was so unbelievably burned out from studying for that exam. I remember putting in 17 to 18 hours a day for three months. That's all I did was eat, breathe, and sleep, and digest those horrible, boring questions that really have nothing to do with the actual practice of the law, but are somehow put upon us out of tradition to theoretically prove we know something enough to actually practice even though we've already gotten our degrees. It's just another hurdle, a way of weeding people out. But I can assure you that the exam has very little, if anything, to do with the actual law. Anyway, I finished it. I took the exam. And by the way, in that exam, it's uh, two days, and it's so over bearing and so boring and just wipes your brain out because it's two days from like seven or eight in the morning until five in the afternoon and all you do is race through these questions as fast as you can and if you're like me you're questioning everything you've answered seems so utterly important to pass it and as if your entire future and destiny lie in this silly money-making scheme exam they've come up with three-quarters of the way through the second day of the bar exam. I'd psyched myself out so much that I wasn't going to pass the exam that I actually closed my test, put my books together, and had decided I was going to walk out because what's the point? Clearly, I'm not going to pass, so why put myself through another two hours of this nightmare? And I went into the bathroom, and I looked at myself in the mirror, and I thought, after all this, at least finish the test, even if you probably won't pass, there's that slight chance you did, and at least you'll know what your score was. Don't just walk out. So I went back and I finished the test. That was in July. So fast forward back to September 10th. You got to understand, at this point, I'm 29 years old. I just finished up seven years of college. I was $150,000 in debt. It's a heck of a lot of money. And everything seemed to be riding on this one test. And I was so sure I wasn't going to pass. And I remember scrolling down, scrolling down, scrolling down, trying to see if I could find my number. And then I passed. So this was a big deal. I was so, so happy I passed the bar exam. So, of course, that called for a celebration. The bar exam was the one last thing I needed in order to be accepted into the Air Force JAG. And this is something that I had been trying to do for several years building up my application, my resume, my work experience, internships, different courses in law school, meeting with the Air Force. I went to Washington DC to the Pentagon and met with them. I had like a three or four hour interview, a background check, probably a 20 or 30 page application. And the only thing left was I had to pass the bar exam. So this is the one thing stopping me from getting my dream to come true of becoming an Air Force JAG. And so when I opened up that email and I saw my results, it was a big deal. And mind you, I'd gotten to know the people in the Pentagon that were in charge of the Air Force applications quite well and become somewhat friendly with some of them. So I called the Pentagon and I said, great news, I passed the bar exam. And they said, that's wonderful. Give us a call tomorrow morning at 9.30 and we'll tell you where your assignment is going to be. This is September 10th, 2001 on a Monday and they're telling me to call back the next morning at 9.30 to get my assignment and go ahead and start my Air Force career. And this is the Pentagon I'm on the phone with. 
So I went out with my friends and we celebrated the good news and we were out real late, probably till two or three in the morning and went to bed excited about my call in the morning. Now, you could say what you want about weird coincidences, but I swear that this is true to the best of my recollection. Even though I'd gone to bed at about two or three in the morning, I'd set my alarm for 9 a.m. so that I could call the Pentagon at 9.30. But before the alarm went off, and this is the weird part, I woke up with a sudden start and sat up like something woke me up. And I remember looking at the clock and it said 8.46 a.m. And those of you that remember, that was the moment the first plane hit the first tower. And I tried to go back to sleep for the next 15, 20 minutes, but I just felt very on edge. So I got out of bed, brushed my teeth, and went downstairs. My cousin's wife had already turned on the TV. And of course, on the TV, we see the first tower on fire. And at that moment, we thought, well, some pilot somehow hit the building and didn't know what he was doing. That's terrible. And as we're watching the first tower burning, the second tower got hit. And that's when we knew it was intentional. And then the news started trickling in. It was also a plane hit the Pentagon and a few other planes out there. And then we started watching the towers crumble. That major shift in my life, just everything was a catastrophe. We had no idea where these attacks were coming from, why they were happening. When we started to realize that our nation was under attack for the first time on our soil since the War of 1812. And it just was completely horrible and surreal. And I don't want anyone to have to relive that moment. So I'll, I'll leave the images and what I saw to rest. I didn't know what to do. I sat there for the better part of an entire week, glued to the TV like probably so many of you were, trying to understand what was happening and what this meant. And seeing these most horrific images of my life and not knowing what to do next. But I felt a real burning desire to get off this chair and join the Air Force. I felt stronger about it than I ever felt before. I wanted to do something about it. And so I flew back to Florida, call up a colonel at McDill Air Force Base, and I say, well, sir, you know, I don't know what to do. I was supposed to call the Pentagon and then September 11th in the morning. Obviously, I haven't done that. I don't know if those people that were working my file are okay. I don't want to bother them. I don't know if my file is still there. I don't even know if I'm, if I exist in the system. And at this point, it had been about a week, and he said, well, it's been about a week, so why don't you go ahead and give him a call? And I called, and they were very surprised that I still wanted to join, which struck me as odd. And I remember them saying, you still want to join? And I said, yeah, more than ever. And they said, well, most people have already just decided they don't want to, they don't want to join now, which I didn't understand at all, that mindset, but whatever. And they offered me, I found out later, 
five of the <laughs> worst assignments you could be offered and I chose the best of those which was out in the Mojave Desert Edwards Air Force Base California and the strange thing was with the Pentagon and the Air Force JAG was that section of the Pentagon that got hit with the jet was where the Air Force JAG was but it's a weird set of coincidence or maybe divine intervention that section of the Pentagon was empty that day because the JAG was moving their offices to a different location so fortunately most people didn't get hurt although there were some fatalities but had they still been in that office and not been moving the fatalities would have been much higher so that's my September 11th story I feel almost ashamed to even be sharing it because just nothing compared to the suffering of others and I've had a few clients over the years that were actually there when it happened one was a firefighter and one was a mail carrier in the building both of them had been in the buildings I just gotta say to you if you don't realize the heroism of the first responders in that city when it happened you just can't imagine what they went through and I, I cannot do it justice I won't even try but when I talked to my client who was with the New York Fire Department and he told me what had gone down firsthand it is just unbelievable and there's just no way to do enough justice to thank those people. People like to throw around the word hero a lot, but I'm telling you, in my not so humble opinion, those people are the definition of real heroes. There was a moment after those attacks when all the petty disputes between Americans and even between Americans and other countries seemed to disappear and we were all so united. That was the one positive thing that came out of it was a feeling of actual unity. And somehow over time that completely turned on its head. Let's try to let go of the fear and the hatred towards each other and try to maybe grasp on to that feeling that we had that we're all sharing this country together and we're all sharing this globe together. So I'm going to try to tap into that feeling and try to try to understand other people more and try to try to love other people more because that's what I think the world needs right now. If you've got a September 11 story or any other story or you know somebody else who does and you'd like to be a part of this podcast or even if you just want to tell me via an email, I have an email set up. It's Dave the Lawyer Podcast at gmail.com Dave the Lawyer Podcast at gmail.com I'd love to hear from you and maybe we could even do an interview because I think we all have extremely interesting stories to tell don't be shy reach out to me thanks so much for listening by the way the music in this podcast I put together myself and the bells are recorded from St. Patrick's Cathedral in Manhattan I hope you liked it take care
It's the day to know it.